Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله إن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وأحسن الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار قال الله تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون وقال الله تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما All the praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We praise him and we ask him for guidance and forgiveness and we seek protection in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the evil of our own souls and the evil of our actions. Whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides, no one can misguide. And whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala misguides, no one can guide. I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave and messenger. Brothers, if you look at like the actions that we do, you know, day to day, just about everything that we do, it has a point when accountability or being responsible for something begins. There's a starting point for that. For example, like salah. We have we have like salat of Jum'ah. So there's a time when we're responsible for Jum'ah. There's a time when we're responsible for Luhut. There's a time when we're responsible for Isha, depending on when the, when the sun, where the sun is in the sky, how dark it is outside, the sunset, sunrise for Fajr and Maghrib. So there's rules. So if, if it's a Jum'ah time right now, what if somebody comes and asks us, did you pray Maghrib today? Like we're probably going to be like, are you okay? Like, did you take vitamin D? Are you, you know, are you thinking right? It's, it just, it doesn't make sense, right? So, I mean, another example would be like marriage. Someone's trying to get married. Once the nikah is done and all the contract is, is finished and everything, and everything is done according to Islam, then you're accountable for marriage. So if you're not married, how can you know, you cannot be accountable for something unless the time of accountability has actually begun. The same thing goes for fasting, for Ramadan. You're accountable in the month of Ramadan for fasting in the month of Ramadan. And even if you have a project at work, your boss or your colleague or someone will usually tell you, this is the start time and this is the end time. So when the start time begins, that's when you're accountable for it. They're not going to ask you for anything that you're not accountable for. And we can continue. You know, This is kind of like almost everything that we have to deal with in life from a responsibility perspective. 
So once, so how about just the idea of accountability by itself in Islam? When there's a hadith narrated by Aisha radiallahu anha uh, where she says, رُفِعَ الْقَلَمُ عَنْ ثَلَاثَةٍ عَنِ النَّائِمِ حَتَّى يَسْتَيْقِضَ وَعَنِ الْمُبْتَلَى حَتَّى يَبْرَأَ وَعَنِ الصَّبِيِّ حَتَّى يَكْبَرَ This is in Sunnah of, uh, of uh, Abu Da'ud. So Aisha radiallahu anha said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, there are three persons whose actions are not recorded. رُفِعَ الْقَلَمُ That the pen has been lifted, it's not being written for these three people. A sleeper until he's awake. When you're sleeping, you're out. You know, you're not, you can't do anything while you're, you know, sleeping or unconscious or whatever the case is. When you're awake, you're responsive. Then you'll be able to be accountable for things. That's the first part of it. The second part is the one who is mentally challenged or unable to basically reason. Some someone who just doesn't have the mental faculties to reason. He's not responsible for anything until, and then, and then we'll see, uh, until their, uh, their reason, uh, reasoning is restored to him. So first, just to go back again, so the sleeper, until he's awake, he's not responsible while he's sleeping. When he, awake, when he wakes up, he's responsible. The one who has the mental issues of understanding does not have accountability until he has the ability to reason. And the third is, a boy until he reaches the age of puberty, and that's that is essentially the reminder for today, inshallah. So when someone reaches the age of of accountability, to basically summarize the whole khutbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hold him and her accountable for the deeds that they do. That's when the pen will be dropped and things will be written on the right side, on the left side, good, bad that we do. Um, this is something that everyone in this room, everyone around the world has to go through. Uh, this is something unavoidable, um, and we have to treat it as such. So some of those things, and, and the numbers can continue, the things that we're responsible for, and for this is mainly for a lot of the youth, but really a, lot, a reminder for, a lot, uh, for most of us or all of us, is, for example, how you treat your parents, right? Forget, okay. Treating your parents is one thing, and how you look at your parents will, will sometimes even tell. So these are the things that once you hit the age of puberty, there's no more free pass. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to hold us accountable for these things. How you, how you treat your brothers and sisters, from the perspective of the ummah, yes, but even in the same household. And we're not talking about like a brother taking the socks of his, of his brother, and then he gets angry. Man, why'd you take my socks? I told you don't do that. No, that's love in the household. These are brothers who love each other and they mess with each other. We're talking about like if you're going to hurt somebody, verbally say something or physically say something, it's over with once you hit the age of purity. These things, these things count and it's a very serious matter that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for anyone who fits under the three categories that will be held accountable for these things. And the list continues. I mean, another example is, I mean, the neighbor. Sometimes it's it's good to do a pulse check on the neighbor. You know, we're not saying you know knock on the door every morning seven a.m. with uh, with um, what do you, what, the, what do the Arabs eat um, with uh, uh, couscous or with biryani, saying here you go here you go because then you're going to annoy them. But once in a while, once you hit the age of puberty, it's it's actually good to check up and make sure everything's okay. If you find out somebody's crying or needs help in the snow, maybe ask the friend, say, can I go help them out or something like that. Um, 
and then the list continues, such as like, you know, the the obvious salah and, and psalm, the prayers and fasting. These are things that are incumbent, and they will be questioned since the time the person hits puberty until the time he pass away. And among among others, calling to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa taala. I mean, once the ability and the the knowledge is there, you know, even if you have one ayah to share, you can share. Fisabilillah. Um, another thing to share even is uh, in a hadith narrated by uh, Sa'id uh, an Abi Sa'idah al anhu. قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من رأى منكم منكرا فليغيره بيده فإن لم يستطع فبلسانه فإن لم يستطع فبقلبه وذلك أضعف الإيمان. What this basically means is the concept or the idea of enjoining what's good and forbidding what's evil. And this encompasses our life as a human being, as as a Muslim on on earth. So this goes to the same things that we've kind of already mentioned. How you treat your parents, your brothers and sisters, salah, you're enjoining what's good. Kuntum khayra ummatin ukhrijat minnaz ta'amaruna bil ma'roof wa tanhuna alil munkar. We're honored by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he gave us the blessing and the ability to actually be a part of this ummah, to adopt this and to actually act or have the intention to act and inshallah we act on it. So the, another thing that we will be accountable for once we hit this age is enjoining the good and, and forbidding the evil. Some of the practical things at that age is, let's say you're at school, let's say it's Ramadan, you're fasting. A Muslim is not fasting. He says, come and eat. So you, right there you draw the line. You say, I have to fast because this is all that is good. And all that is evil would be something that is breaking that commandment with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in addition to is also even to advise him, not publicly flog him, but also as a brother, as a friend, advise him on the side and even talk to the brother and say, you know, in the, you know, in the month of Ramadan, this is something we have to do. We are now accountable, man. You know what I'm saying? Get on board. And the list will continue um, in terms of the things that we can do as Muslims to enjoin what's good and to forbid what's evil. So things with, with uh, inside the household, uh, friends at school, uh, I mean, nowadays, Allahu alam, what are in the books in the schools with the LGBT? There's a lot of fahisha and things that are going on. Uh, so one thing to do is to make sure that you stick to the haq, you stick to Islam, and avoid everything that's fawahish. So once, when that time comes of accountability, you'd kind of understand that like maybe the youth would feel like, oh man, okay, this is serious now, you know. Or like uh, maybe get a little afraid or like sh- start shying away from things because he knows like it's real now. It's actually started. But I mean, inshallah, like this is not the, the way that we should approach the life. Right? It should not be something that prevents us from doing something good. But rather the thing that we could use to overcome this type of a fear or, you know, hesitation, you know, or... I don't want to call it depression, but that's not really what it is. But sometimes you kind of get like, it's it's a bit of a shock, you know, when you start understanding that like you're now accountable for things. Um, the example that can help us or examples are the examples of the Sahaba, So to go through just a few, and there there are many, um, but just to go through a few, 
This is in the uh, 11th year uh, Hijri, and at the age of uh, 17 years old. 17 years old. A Sahabi by the name of Usama bin Zayd anhu, was chosen by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to lead the Muslim army to invade one of the regions in the Byzantine Empire, which I believe was uh, Eastern Roman Empire, parts of Syria at that time as well. So under his command were Sahaba from the Muhajirun and the Ansar. So you're 17 years old. Rasulullah commanded you, and you have in your midst, you have some of the Kabir the ones who migrated from, uh, from Mecca to Medina. We were talking about names like Umar bin Khattab, Ali ibn Abi Talib, uh, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, you know. So just imagine this is the, the Izza and the... Uh, it will continue actually, but to see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave success. Uh, so Usama bin Zayd, his, basically the campaign was, was successful and his army actually was the first army uh, for the Muslims to force uh, successfully uh, invade the Byzantine Empire. So, and this uh, this invasion, it basically paved the way in the future for the Muslims to actually conquer uh, Asham and, and Egypt. And to the point of people even in, uh, in Medina were saying, were like praising Osama bin Zayd. And they were saying like, subhanAllah, the army came back and it seemed as if they were like not touched at all. And obviously, like not to make the mistake, he's young, victory, no. Victory comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the note here is the, the honor and the dignity Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave this man. And this is one of those examples like, yeah, we're young, you know, we're, we're young and we're going to have people. But, and this is maybe a lesson for all of us to support the youth and the youth even support the, the, the others as well. That they got, uh, the Prophet ﷺ strengthened and cultured the Sahaba. So when the task came, when it was game time, they were ready to deliver. And they did not fear the kuffar. And you will see another example, inshallah ta'ala. Next example, Mu'ad ibn Jabal. There isn't enough actually to say uh, about any of the Sahaba. This will continue and continue on. But to try and, and make uh, the point clear, Mu'ad ibn Jabal was made, um, by the Prophet ﷺ was made a deputy when, uh, when the conquest of when Fatah Mecca uh, happened. And he also spent a great deal of time in the Prophet ﷺ's company. And he became one of the greatest scholars and jurists uh, in the history of actually mankind, let alone Islam. And at the age of 27, he was appointed the uh, uh, governor of Yemen. And this is, the next example actually is one that's um, really close, you know. They're, they all are, but this is an example in Mecca. Uh, when we think about like the life that we're in now, the hatred against Islam and the Muslims, it, this, this one starts making you think a little bit more. There was an example in Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. He was from one of the Bedouin tribes called Hudayl, which was basically known to be considered a weak tribe, uh, marginalized, unprotected uh, type of a tribe. So they looked down upon them. They had no protection. They were poor. They needed help. This is the tribe that uh, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu was coming from. So I want to just narrate one part from the, the, the Ibn Ishaq in the Sirah. Um, and by the way, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he was working as um, a shepherd for, uh, for Uqba. And Uqba was one of the, the arch enemies of Islam. And basically, 
and he was actually he was from a, he was one of the main uh, Quraysh leaders from the uh, Banu Abdul Shams clan, which was which was a, which was a very powerful clan. So look at the uh, look at from where Abdullah bin Saud is from. He's from a very poor tribe, and the man that he's working for is from one of the most powerful tribes. He's one of the main the top dogs inside of Mecca. So. To continue, inshallah, Abdullah bin, uh, Abdullah bin Mas'ud anhu, was the first one to recite the Qur'an publicly in Mecca after the Prophet It happened one day that the, Prophet uh, uh, the Prophet's companions uh, were gathered with the Prophet And they said, by Allah, the Quraysh have never heard the Qur'an being recited to them before. Isn't there any man to recite it so that they may hear it, so that they can hear it? Thereupon Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, I, Ana, I can, I can do it. Youngest one or one of the youngest one among them. So they said, we're afraid that they may harm you. We want a man with a strong family to protect him from those people if they want to harm, uh, if they want to harm you. And again, just to remind, like we know from the tribe that he's with, the, the Quraysh that are around, so the Sahaba, they knew very well, like they knew where he was from, what he was doing, and who was, you know, so they're, they're afraid that something's going to happen to you. you. You need a protection. So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, Let me go. Let me go. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect me. So ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu went to the, uh, the maqam uh, Ibrahim and, uh, around the Kaaba and he started to recite uh, some of the ayah of Surah Rahman where he says, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, Ar-Rahman. You know, the most compassionate. Alam al-Qur'an. The one who taught the Qur'an. Khalaq al-Insan. Created, the one who created humanity. Allamahu al-Bayan. And the one who taught them speech. Al-Shamsu wal-Qamru bi-Husban. The sun and the moon travel with precision. And this one, the next one probably hit him kind of hard. Wal-Najmu wal-Shajaru yasjudan. The stars and the trees bow down in submission to Allah. When the people in Mecca, they had, they had a fake uh, uh, God for almost everything that they did. Here you have Ibn Mas'ud going to the one who he works for, unafraid from anybody, telling them even the stars and the trees bow down in submission to Allah. Wallah, they're even greater than you, basically. With this, uh, and he actually continued reciting as much as he was able to. So the Quraysh started to uh, really start uh, looking at him and gazing at him and uh, began to say what does Ibn Umm Abd say meaning uh, um, the Abdullah bin Mas'ud so they say they continue saying that he is reciting some of what Muhammad وسلم, came with so they went to Abdullah bin Mas'ud and they started to beat him up they started to hit him in the face started to hit him all over the body and he's, he's young, and th- these are grown men, so it's not like, you know, a grown man fighting a grown man where you could probably take a shot or two. This is somebody that's very, very young. And these are the elite in Mecca that are around the area. Obviously allowing it to happen. If not, they're the ones that are fueling the fire for this. They can't stand to hear the Qur'an. It burns their heart. You know, when, when you talk about the idea of Tawheed, the Kuffar, they really cannot stand it. The true enemies of Islam. So, Abdullah bin Mas'ud, he returned to the Sahaba, with uh, with a wounded face, uh, wounded body, you know, swollen eye. Uh, so the Sahaba they look at him and they told him, "Well, this is what we're afraid of. 
You know, this is the exact thing that you didn't want to happen to you. Right? So he answered to them, and subhanAllah, look at the difference when, when, when you have someone who fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, Allah will make the enemy look like nothing in front of your eyes. When his response to the Sahaba were, those enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have never been more worthless to me than this moment. And if you want, or if you wish, I will go back to them and do the same thing tomorrow. SubhanAllah. So they said, no, no, just chill out. You know, no, it's enough for you. You have made them hear what they hated. Khalas. So, brothers, basically when the time of accountability and action reaches the person, it's, and it's, a, it's really a reminder for all of us, uh, but particularly the youth. Don't feel sad and don't feel depressed. Don't feel beaten down by it. You know, just the things that we can use to strengthen ourselves is remember the examples of the Sahaba. Remember, remember the examples of how determined they are and their tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was. And how they responded to the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let's remember how they responded during the times of difficulty so that inshallah it inspires us. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the ability, the tawfiq, to follow in the footsteps of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and the sahaba and to act upon what was said. Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfiru allahi li wa lakum wa lisa'ilil muslimin fastaghfiru innahu huwa al-ghafurur rahim. Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. There is a hadith narrated by Ibn Abbas and reported by uh, Al-Hakim. And this is a very, I guess, popular and known, known hadith. That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, take advantage of five before five. Your youth before your old age, your health before your illness, your wealth before you are poor, your free time before you are busy, and your life before your death. And there isn't enough time to, to cover, to be honest, even one of these the way that it should be. But just as a reminder on the context of, of the khutbah is, and subhanAllah is the first part. Your youth before you uh, before you uh, grow to an old age. So th- I mean, this hadith it's very it shows how critical the well being of the youth is to guard uh, to guard the youth and for the youth to basically also guard themselves and for the youth to guard themselves. Well, how is that possible, right? So. Even going back to the to the beginning, um, we were talking about. I mean, number one out of everything, the ultimate guide in life is the worshiping of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. 
there's no other um, thing or concept that could really save us from Jahannam more than this concept. That is the that is our gateway, you know, out of this life to Jannah. So the worshiping of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, excluding all others as a deity, and and the things that we are required to do, like salah, like som, like zakah, like hajj, all these things. Once you start getting a job and you start making money. And you know, you don't have any bills and you have something in your pocket. Feel, feel the need to sometimes give a little bit, even if it isn't too much. And learning about the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The parents, you know, the, the, the siblings, the neighbors, all that. These are things that we can do to, inshallah, strengthen the youth and the youth to, to inshallah, strengthen themselves. And another advice, actually, from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, narrated by Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, الرَّجُلُ عَلَى دِينِ خَلِيلِهِ فَلْيَنْظُرْ أَحَدُكُمْ مَنْ يُخَالِهُ The Prophet said, A man follows the deen or the religion of his friend. So each one should consider whom he makes, uh, who he makes his friend. And there are other ahadith that even talk about like the, how your friend makes you know, a negative impact on you. So as a Muslim, particularly living in the day and age that we're living in today, be very, very, very strict on who you trust. Be very, very strict on who you take knowledge from. And be very, very strict on who your close friends are. So inshallah, we'll conclude with, uh, with the dua. Allahumma aghfili al-muslimina wal-muslimat wal-mu'minina wal-mu'minat al-ahyai minhum wal-amwat innaka sami'un mujibu al-da'wat ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار اللهم أرنا حقا حقا ورزقنا اتباعه وأرنا باطلا باطلا ورزقنا اجتنابه اللهم أعز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم أعز الإسلام والمسلمين وأذل الشرك والمشركين ودمر أعداء الدين وحمي حوزة الإسلام يا رب العالمين آمين يا رب عباد الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون أذكروا الله العظيم يذكركم واشكروه يزدكم واستغفروه يغفر لكم واتقوه Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.